Blog Talk Radio. Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you so much for joining me, either live or archive, and thank you for the really great support we've had on this show over the course of the last about 15 weeks that we've been doing it. Today we'll be reading and studying out of Zohar, Volume 17, portion Behe Alot Ka, Chapter 12, Verse 58, 59, 60, 61, and 64, and you'll find that on pages 414 through 417 if you're following along. We're going to be talking today about looking behind the stories. Let me say that again, looking behind the stories. I think we have reached a point in our faith and spiritual communities where we are challenged uh, more than ever about the authenticity of the scriptures, about where they came from, just a lot of different conversations. And I think what we need to do is look and say, is it possible that how we're looking at these stories as just stories. You know, Esau was just a guy. Jacob was just a guy. Rachel was just a guy. A girl, Leah was just a girl. And these stories there is kind of like, hey, uh, don't do that because that would be bad. Uh, Do this because that would be good. Or is there something more behind the stories? Well, the rabbis and sages had a very interesting conversation. They went on as far as to say, as we'll be reading, that it would be better for somebody to have not been born, didn't think like that. One of the rabbis says, let him breathe his last and have no portion in the world to come if he thinks that the Bible and scriptures are just stories. Now, on a practical note, I want to talk to you about three different ways that spirit, uh, that scripture and doctrines are viewed, three different ways that it's done. And this is just kind of a, a, a passing thought. How do you see it? I want you for just a moment to picture looking into a deep well. So you're standing up on top of the well and you're looking down in the water and you're about 10 feet from the surface of the water and you're seeing this reflection back, which would be your reflection. Again, so you're looking down this well, you're about 10 feet to the water surface, it's perfectly calm surface, and you look down and you have the face that's staring back at you as you, is your own. Now I'm going to take a quick commercial break here and I'll be right back while you think about that image in your head. Looking for something different at your next retreat, Bible study, or weekend seminar? Restoring Grace could be the answer for you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and we gladly support, encourage, and minister in many churches across the country. You can reach me at dave at restoringgrace.com. Again, that's dave at restoringgrace.com. Or you can call 719-233-6265. 719-233-6265 for your next upcoming event. So there are three ways that we can look at it. Number one is observation. And this is the path or the way that most people see things when they're doing the scripture. So you look at the reflection in the water, you notice some details, and then you move on. Now, you may even recount what you saw to your friends, you, but they only hear your perspective on it unless you take them there to see it for them for yourselves for themselves let me back that up so observation i stick my head in i look and i go okay there's me i think i see a fish 
Okay, there's some things in there. Great. And then you move on to go tell your friends about it. And, and when you're recounting it to your friends, they're only going to hear your perspective. Unless, of course, you're willing to take them to the well and show them the well for themselves. Now, the problem is because you see it only when you look at it and you didn't actually experience it. You have to keep coming back to remember what you saw. Let me see that again. The problem with the observation view is that you, you see it only when you look at it. And you don't actually experience it. And you have to keep coming back to remember what you saw. I think that this observation part is how many Christians, many people in my faith community, view the scriptures. I hear them say all the time, I'm really glad I made it in the church today because I needed to get my batteries recharged. I needed to get uh, back away from all the things that happened in the world this week and get these batteries recharged. That phrase particularly, it's like, well, what discharged your batteries? If you're connected to God, if you're connected to Jesus, you're connected to the light of the Creator, then you don't have any batteries discharging because you're not running on battery power. You're running on, on the, the light of the Creator. You're running on the light of God. Well, it could be the observation message or method. Is it just something that I'm seeing, and then I come back later and report what I saw? Because when you only look at something and you don't actually experience it, you have to keep coming back to remember what you saw. You know, with the age of the Internet, I'm actually old enough to remember before there was an Internet, before there was cell phones, pagers, fax machines, and email. Life was better then. Now you can go online and you can say, I want to see the Eiffel Tower, and you can see a picture of it, and you can read about it and hear the history of it. I want to see Rachel's tomb in Israel. You can look it up. You can see it. You can read stories. I mean, hey, there's always Wikipedia. And you will learn about it, but you didn't experience it. You weren't there. Because if you were there, you'd always remember it. Later you might say, what did I read about the Eiffel Tower or something about the way that it was designed? Go back to Wikipedia, look it back up again. And the communication that you're going to give to people will be, I read something that said this. I saw something that looked like this. It's not real life experience if you're living your life just by observation, just looking at the stories and saying, okay, Esau was a real guy, Leah was a real girl. Secondly is reflection method. The only thing you see is yourself looking back at you. And since that's all you see, that must be all there is. The purpose of the well, therefore, is to provide me with my reflection for me. There's nothing beneath the surface. I find that as people begin to mature a little bit, or maybe I should say age, some people in Christianity age like wine. They become much better. Others of them age like milk. But as you begin to age, you move away from the observation method and you say, oh, this is my well. This is my understanding. This is my doctrine. He is my personal savior. Well, the problem is that this is the highest form of spiritual arrogance. I mean, the idea that God created the entire universe and all of its operating laws, and we've got them all figured out. And we tend to gather in groups that reflect the values and ideas we embrace, and these groups begin deploying these limiting beliefs and determining what is acceptable to believe. We call these groups churches. I'm looking in there, and I see what I see, and because I see it, it must be that way. Third... So number one is observation. I look in, yeah, it's pretty. I move back out again. Reflection, I look in and I go, oh, I knew this was all there was. I totally get it. It's all about me. Number three, in the method I try to, to deploy the most of my own life, and if, once you hear it, you go, that sounds like you. 
is called disturbance. Realizing that the only way to find out what's beneath the surface, to plumb the depths of the water, is to disturb the surface. Now, this can lead to a distortion of the surface and your picture the way you think it should be. My face won't be as amazingly handsome when the water is being stirred around, but that's not really the point. The point is that by disturbance, my willingness to reach below the surface and see what's underneath, to disturb what's on top, means that I understand that it's more than just the level. It's more than the surface. I wonder how deep this well goes. I wonder what kind of water is in it. I wonder what kind of fish might be at the bottom. There's Jimmy Hoffa there. You never know. Spiritual leaders, true spiritual leaders. Now, when I say true, that doesn't mean your fault. Just, just shut up and calm down. Somebody who's really seeking to be a great leader are always ready to examine and disturb the surface as needed. For them, it can never just be about the stories. There's always something we can learn to add to what we already know. A true spiritual leader says, no, we need to disturb the surface because the status quo is not working. We've been stuck in this place. Hey, let's get out and see what the whole wealth of all this is at. The sad part is that for most people, for most people, going to church or your spiritual community is simply about getting better at what they already do well. Let me say that again. For most people who don't want the disturbance method, they like the reflection. They like the observation. Let me just go look and see what I think it is. For most people who are going to church or their spiritual communities, they're simply getting better at what they already do well. Now, Jesus seemed to understand the idea of disturbance, and he worked much of his teachings around what we would understand to be very ordinary subjects. He called mustard seeds, fishing, <coughs> the weather, sunsets. But he used parables. He used often older parables where he would change the storyline. He used illustrations, practical and real-world illustrations, to deliver his message. But the stories were just stories unless his audience believed that they were more. Now, I want to read to you verse 58. So the rabbis are chiming in on, on Torah, they're talking about Scripture, when Rabbi Shimon says, Woe to the man who says that the Torah came to relate stories simply and plainly. And simples and tales about Esau and Laban and like. If it was so, even the present day we could produce a Torah from simplistic matters and perhaps even nicer ones than these. And if the Torah came to exemplify worldly matters, even the rulers of the world uh, have among them things that are superior. If so, let us follow them and produce a Torah or scriptures in the same manner. It must be that all items in the Torah are superior of nature and of the utmost secrets. The rabbis are concluding here that if the stories are just simpleton tales, we could be producing scripture all the time. We could be producing scripture all day long. I will tell you that I believe that many people, many teachers, many denominations are truly recreating scripture to fit their own beliefs. I want to let you know that if the God you believe in loves all the things that you love and hates all the people that you hate, you've created a God in your image, you're not created in his. If the stories only talk about worldly matters, then there are things here on earth that are better and superior than these stories. And what that would mean is, while we can get excited about reading about Esau and Laban and the like, as it says, maybe you prefer stories about something that your six-year-old did at school or, or that your 12-year-old did with his girlfriend or whatever goofy things that may come up. Maybe those stories are more interesting. If that's the case, they say, let's produce scriptures that, that work in our own manner. 
And as I mentioned, many people have. We must believe and understand that scriptures are superior in nature and contain the utmost of secrets. Let me say that again. Scriptures are superior in nature and they contain the utmost secrets. Now I know right away, I start saying secrets, everybody goes, Gnostic, he's a Gnostic, we knew it. Calm down. I'm not suggesting that there are secrets in there that are going to change the way we see Jesus or change the way of Calvary or change the way of repentance. What I'm saying is that they're more than just the stories. And it's interesting that many of the people that harp on the, oh, the secrets of secrets, are the people that are doing the best job keeping their people in the dark about what the Bible actually says. Here's verse 59. Come and behold. The world above and the world below are measured with one scale. Israel corresponds to the lofty angels above. It is written about the lofty angels. Now, if you're like me, I'm thinking, where's he going with this? <coughs> he makes the winds his messengers. Psalms 104.4. When they go down, speaking of the angels, they don with vestments of this world. If they had not acquired the dress of this world, they would not be able to exist in this world, and the world would not be able to stand them. And if this is so for the, for the angels or the messengers, how much more is it for the Torah, the scripture that created these messengers and all these worlds that exist due to it? Once it came down to this world, if it had not donned all these garments of this world, which are the stories and simplistic tales, the world would not have been able to tolerate it. So when the heavenly bodies, angels, are visiting our world, they, they appear, the Apostle Paul talks about this in, in Hebrews, I think it's 13, they appear in a way that we can see them and understand them and interact with them. Then as we interact with them, we become more aware of who they are. So it is the scriptures. If the heavenly bodies, the rabbis are saying, have to cover themselves, how much more would the scriptures have to do it? So the scripture comes to us dressed in plain garments, dressed in these vestments, but below the surface of the vestments of the Holy One. Verse 60. Therefore, therefore this story of the Torah is the mantle of the Torah. Very important you hear this terminology. He who thinks that this mantle is the actual essence of Torah and that nothing else is in there, let him breathe his last and let him have no portion in the world to come. Pretty heavy judgment. Therefore, David, King David said, open my eyes that I may look, that I may behold the wondrous things out of your Torah. Psalms 119, 118. That is to look at what lies underneath the garment of the Torah. So the mantle of the covering of the Torah the covering of Scripture is not its essence. It's what's inside that is its essence. So the stories are the covering. They're the mantle of the story, but what's below it is actually the story itself. Now, King David says, Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your Torah, the wonderful things about Scripture. Why? Why can't he just read it? Maybe in a sense what he's talking about in terms of opening his eyes isn't just the physical eyes to read something, but the spiritual eyes to really see it. Jesus says, let him that has eyes see. Let him that has ears hear. There's something deeper than just the story. We'll go on to verse number 62 here. Change the page here real quick. There we go. Actually, verse 61. Behold, there is a dress that is visible to everyone. This is a very powerful verse here. The fools, when they see a person dressed beautifully, who appears to them distinguished by his clothing, they do not observe any farther. They judge him according to his distinguished apparel and consider the dress as the body of the man and the body of the person is like his soul. 
many people are fooled by the garments they see people wearing, the clothing, the cars, the bling bling. And they believe that the person's life is at least as good as that. You know, the other day I was driving a, a car. Um, it's, a, it's a big Audi SUV. And these things are like, I don't know, $40,000, $50,000. And I was test driving. You guys all know that I work in the auto business. So I'm driving down Academy Boulevard, and I see a couple of people pull up on both sides of the light. They're looking at the car. They're looking at me. They're looking at the car. I bet that's the most handsome I've looked in a long time. And I can picture them thinking to themselves, what does this guy do? What does he do for a living that he gets to drive a car like this? He, that he owns a car like this. Must be a drug dealer. Not knowing that it's not my car. I don't own this car. I have a 1990 Chevy Blazer. And I don't get the same kind of looks in my Blazer that I do driving the Audi. Because people just look at the outside. And what's happening is how we're seeing people in our lives, how we're seeing people in our relationships, is how we're communicating in our spiritual communities. He says, look, once they judge because of their distinguished apparel that the dress of the person is just like the soul inside, they move on. They don't look anymore. I'm afraid this is happening with our scriptures. Verse 62. Similar it is to the Torah. It has a body, which is composed of the commandments of the Torah, that are called the body of the Torah. This body is clothed with garments, which are the stories of this world. The ignorant only look only at the dress, which is the story in the Torah, and not aware of anything more. They do not look at what lies beneath that dress. Those who know more do not look at the dress, but rather at the body beneath the dress. The wise, the sages, the servants of lost his king, those that stood at Mount Sinai look only at the soul of Torah, which is the essence of everything, the real Torah. In the time to come, they will look at the soul and the soul of Torah. I want you to listen to me for just a minute. I'm going to be ready. We'll close out here. Don't be deceived in thinking that the stories are just the stories. Don't look at the distinguished apparel and not connect with what's really happening. Don't look at what Jesus did and say, oh, he's so powerful because he raises the dead. He's so powerful because he heals uh, the sick. He's powerful because he gives blind, the sight back to the blind. He, he drives out demons. I understand that that's a degree of showing spiritual power, but that's not what he did it for. That's not why he did it. Every single one of the people that Jesus healed, every person who he threw a demon out, even the guy that he raised from the dead, they all died. It was to bring comfort. It was to show compassion. It was to show what Jesus was truly about here in this world. Same thing that we should be doing as well. Remember, the stories are not just stories. There's so much more. This is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Whether you're joining me live or archive, thank you so much for participating in the Zohar in 15. Thank mm-hmm. you.